Hello, everyone, and welcome to BC Prior Learning Action Network Plar podcast, where we explore all facets of prior learning assessment and recognition. I'm your host, Andrew Skopenko. We have exciting news to share with you today. We would like to welcome Natalie DeVere, Assessment Center Coordinator at North Island College in Courtney, British Columbia, as a co-host of this podcast. Hello, Natalie, and welcome to the Plar podcast. We are excited to have you on board. Thanks very much, Andrew. I appreciate all the work that you and your BC Plan colleagues put into PLAR education and advocacy, and I'm very happy to be involved in this podcast. In particular, I'm pleased to be able to speak directly to today's guest, Justine Arsenault. Justine is a program planning analyst with BCIT's Site Center and responsible for assessing the knowledge, skills, and experiences of adult learners and advising them on educational pathways based on the Advanced Placement and Prior Learning Apple method. She also manages the BCIT Legion program, providing prior learning assessments as well as career development and transition support to Canadian Armed Forces members. Welcome, Justine, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Andrew and Natalie. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thanks for having me. Of course, thank you. Uh, Justine, so I'm going to jump into the questions. And um, first of all, in meeting PLAR practitioners across BC, Canada, and even internationally, we learn that almost every PLAR practitioner has their unique story of how they embarked on their PLAR journey and started practicing in this field. Could you share with our listeners how you got involved with PLAR and especially military PLAR? Sure. I would say that my first introduction to PLAR came while I was a student at BCIT. And in my class, there were some military members that joined the program in second year. It turns out that they were granted advanced placement based on their experience. And I just found this so interesting. Then as part of my diploma program, I signed up to do an industry consulting project with BCIT that researched the comparable knowledge, skills, and attributes of military members as they compared to BCIT business students. And this is where I was first introduced to the BCIT Legion program, which was just a pilot project at the time. So then after graduating, I continued my work with the BCIT Legion program, which is really when I got immersed in the assessment process. So I've been with BCIT for about 10 years now, and I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing colleagues and under our innovative leader, Dr. Kevin Wainwright, to help grow our event placement and prior learning programs, which has since expanded from military advanced placement assessments to other adult learner groups. So for example, we also work with first responders, foreign workers, individual adult learners and some pathway partners. Like I mentioned, I've been doing this for about 10 years, but I'm still continuously learning new things in the world of Pilar and especially through my involvement with BC planning, hearing from other experts in the field. That's quite interesting. 10 years in Pilar and there's still so much opportunity to learn and grow. In preparation for this interview, we discovered some great testimonials about BCIT Pilar program as part of the National Advanced uh, Placement and Prior Learning Program. Could you describe a standard PLAR process one would go through from the beginning to the end at BCIT and 
how it incorporates the Apple platform? Definitely. I'll start just with the an Apple program or the National Advanced Placement and Prior Learning Program. Um, this is a national expansion of the advanced placement approach to recognizing military experience. Through this program, we've partnered with over 20 post-secondary institutes across Canada in order to provide accessible fast-track credentials to military members wherever they may reside or wherever they may be posted um, throughout Canada. BCIT provides the hub for the NAPL program, and it provides a platform for institutions and also accrediting bodies to connect and share their assessment best practices for recognizing military experience. Uh, my wonderful colleague, Maribel Pabico, runs the NAPL program out of BCIT, and she'll initiate new partnerships and also provides one-on-one -on -one support for our new partners. In terms of the assessment process, each NAPL partner has complete autonomy over their assessments and what credits they can offer. So when a military member comes to BCIT, what I'll do is I'll typically request a copy of their MPRR, which is essentially their military record or transcript, and this helps to begin their assessment. I usually have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with the student. I help them identify a program that best suits their career goals. And if they're interested in a program that we already have an established pathway into, I can assess their military record to determine if they meet our criteria for advanced placement. Once we establish that they've met the criteria, we then complete an advanced placement assessment form. And this then goes for approval to the program head, as well as the associate dean. And this form will get uploaded with the student's application. So admissions will recognize that they're an advanced placement student. And if a student is interested in a program that we haven't assessed yet, we'll begin our assessment again by reviewing the student's MPRR and we will look at the relevant training and experience as it relates to our program or courses. So we'll then meet with the program area and subject matter experts and hopefully potentially create a new program pathway. Since military members of any occupation will typically follow a similar career progression, once we've established an academic pathway and we've conducted our assessment and it's already been approved by the program area, we can then help streamline further assessments of students who have a similar background. And this is one of the great things about an Apple is that we can set our assessment criteria for a certain program, then that gets loaded into the NApple portal. So other partners can view our assessments and create similar pathways at their own institute. And likewise, we can also view assessment criteria, program pathways set by other partners, and emulate those at BCIT. Justine, uh, I don't know if you know, but my college, North Island College, became a partner, I believe it was early last year, and it's been very useful to be involved in that, and particularly working with Mary Bell has been so helpful. That's great. I'm so happy to hear. Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you about any key components of BCIT PLAR, and particularly what are some of the smart practices in BCIT PLAR that could be showcased to our listeners and other educational institutions? 
Yeah, at PCIT, we offer the traditional PLAR where we'll assess adult learners' experience for course credit. But where we specialize is using what we call the advanced placement and prior learning approach. And this goes beyond recognizing experience for individual course credits and provides flexible placement or advanced standing into a program. And this approach was built for learners that did not follow the traditional going to high school, then post-secondary, then going into their career. Our advanced placement pathways are designed to support adult learners that have pursued alternative paths. So usually they will have little to no post-secondary experience, but they have a wealth of progressive experience, workplace training, maybe they have some certificates or courses, but they generally don't have a credential. And these learners are those that have often worked their way up to their current position. Essentially what we do for advanced placement and our assessments is we'll assess a combination of their experience, workplace training, and any other form of education to determine what their background is equivalent to in terms of an academic credential and then granting advanced placement based on this. Rather than starting our assessment from first year, we kind of work backwards. When we're assessing an adult learner, we determine at their current role, if BCIT were to offer a program to create this individual, what would be required? Would that be a certificate level or maybe it would be a diploma or even a degree level? And if they're considered to be at the diploma or degree level, they should be eligible for advanced placement into second year of our business diploma programs. And then we'll work backwards again to determine if there's any essential course, any essential courses required from first year that's going to help set them up for success in an advanced level of a program. Justin, how many PLAR candidates with military background does BCIT usually have, let's say, on an annual basis? On an annual basis, we'll typically run close to, I would say, around 75 assessments each year. And how does BCIT communicate its PLAR program to the faculty, staff, and students? And which practices are used to achieve the buy-in from uh, all of these stakeholders? Yeah, communication is so important when it comes to PLAR, and you want to make sure that your assessments are fair, consistent, they're accessible, and also accepted by the Institute. When getting buy-in for our PLAR practices, we generally like to work directly with the program heads and deans when we're creating pathways into their programs. And they're also final approvers once we conduct a student assessment. So they get our assessment form and they will sign off on it. This really offers full disclosure and trust of our assessment practices across the Institute. We've also held several meetings with admissions, the registrars and other program areas to share what it is that we do. We answer any of their questions and we also work hand in hand with them to create new process to make sure everything runs smoothly from our assessment to the student's application and then how that then translates to the student record. Some other things that we've done is our institute hosts some open houses 
So we will participate in those where faculty members and members of the Institute can come by our office, learn a little bit about us and what we do. We've hosted meetings and we've also provided information sheets to our student facing departments. So if they get a student that has military experience, they know that they can refer them to uh, my office. Does BCIT offer any workshops or training sessions to staff and uh, faculty or just uh, meetings to raise the awareness about PLAR? It's mostly to raise the awareness of what it is we're doing. So we have, uh, there's about four of us within our office that is conducting assessments for, um, we all kind of specialize in different groups. So we have someone who works specifically with uh, first responders. I work with military and a little bit of our individual adult learners as well. And then we have my other colleague works mostly with foreign workers as they apply to the Institute. Very good. Um, Justine, how about support from the, the institution? How are you supported at BCIT on the institutional level? I'd say that we are very lucky to have a president and also a leadership team that's very supportive of recognition of prior learning. When PLAR and frameworks like agile learning are included in institute policy and strategy, it certainly helps make it easier to validate our work. I think it's important to have that support of the Institute leadership as it does take resources to implement our practices. And it's really helpful when they can understand the benefits PAR has to the Institute students and also in the classroom. But working in PLAR in my experience, there's always going to be some people that don't quite understand it or they don't believe in granting credit towards their programs. And to your previous question, this is where that clear and open communication comes in. Are there any benchmarks or metrics that BCIT uses for its PLAR program? Yeah, absolutely. We have our own tracking portals where we are able to, from the time astute student applies to BCIT for an assessment, we are able to track that and then throughout their progression at BCIT. So we're able to have that data on hand whenever it's needed. Now let's dive a little bit into the actual PLAR types that BCIT has for the, in the PLAR program. As we know, there are different types such as course-based, credit banks, advanced placement, which you already touched on, uh, some flexible admission assessment, competency-based, and of course, the portfolio assessment. Could you describe which uh, PLAR types BCIT uses? And um, have there been any changes regarding which types you use over the years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot out there. <laughs> we <laughs> at BCIT, we use the traditional PLAR, so our course assessments. Um, we use advanced placement, as well as flexible entry assessments, like you mentioned. And our PLAR assessments. Um, at BCIT, they've been around for many years, and the assessment process may differ depending on which department is conducting the assessment. So I'll do PLAR assessments for the School of Business, for example, and we use a competency-based assessment. And also what we're, I think, seeing a little bit more of is the flexible entry pathways into programs that may have required some formal education prior to entry. 
we will assess a student's background to meet some alternate entry requirements. So helping to meet that diploma or degree or certificate requirement for entry into the program. And then of course, we, like I mentioned earlier, we have our advanced placement assessments, which is the foundation of what it is that we do. And for this, we will assess students for an advanced level of the program based on their demonstrated learning. Do you conduct any market research to benchmark uh, and to compare the BCIT practices around PLAR types to those out there in the industry? Yeah, that's something that I can speak for myself and my colleagues. We are always attending conferences. We are always open to seeing what others are doing, how that compares to what we're doing, and creating best practices that work best for our student and for our institute. Justine, can I ask a question related to course-based versus competency-based PLAR? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that sometimes people or institutions that are using a, a course-based model where they're looking at every single learning objective in a course can have difficulty moving towards a competency-based approach. Do you have any sense of how that process can be made smoother or what needs to be understood to be able to approach PLAR from a competency-based perspective? I think there's there's a little bit of overlap. So you want to make sure when you're doing, or at least I can speak for myself when I'm doing our assessments at BCIT, we're looking for the core competencies of what the, what are the student outcomes of that course? What do we want them to end up with when they complete it? So it's not always looking to make sure that they meet every single learning outcome because a lot of those things adult learners can pick up on when they progress through their program or other courses. It's about recognizing their capabilities, the learning that they've already accomplished. And when you try to make them fit into a very compact academic box, it's not always going to fit. We want to do what's best to help recognize experience towards our programs as we, they are, a lot of the students that we work with are in positions that we want some of our grads to go and get. When they come to us, who are we to say that they don't meet our requirements when we want them to go and get a position or leadership position, a mm -hmm. middle management position when they complete a diploma? Right, yeah, that's a good point. I think that leads us nicely into the next question, which is related to competencies, particularly in the military area. Each profession has its own core set of competencies uh, for one to successfully enter and practice it. Are there any common competencies that you encounter among PLAR participants with military experience when assessing their prior learning? And what are some of the academic credits that uh, such prior learning yields an easier path to? Yeah, that's, I love this question. <laughs> so having assessed many military members in my career, I can definitely speak to the transferable competencies as it translates to academic programs, but also to the civilian workforce. And something that we found really unique when looking at military training and their career progression 
something that we also consider in our assessment is that once members complete a course in the military, they will then immediately apply their learned skills in their work. Then they will go on to become experts in that area by mentoring or training the next rank down on that material. So it's not exactly the same in academic programs where, for example, you learn business statistics and you don't go and use it in your regular work. So you don't necessarily get up to that expert level, but they really apply and emphasize their learning. Whereas in academic programs, um, we may lose some of that material as we progress through our career. So some of those skills that we really see for military members as they come through is they have exceptional leadership capabilities. They are critical thinkers, they're problem solvers, great communicators, team players, and they are extremely motivated and hardworking individuals. And these are also very highly valued skills in the labor market as well. So when we're looking at translating their skills and competencies into our academic programs, we find that their transferable skills yield especially well into our business programs. For example, human resources, business admin, operations, or even global supply chain, for example. At a certain level of their career, so once they've completed their leadership training, they will have demonstrated learning and experience to receive bulk credit recognition for our first year Common Core business courses. That's quite interesting to, to learn that business is uh, one of the areas where Plark participants with military backgrounds have an easier path to. To conclude the interview, which advice would you give to emerging Plark practitioners on how to develop in this field? And um, which advice would you also give to those who are considering entering the PLAR profession? I would say just continue seeking information just based on this podcast. Like there's a lot of information <laughs> out there. Right. I am not the, I am not, I don't really consider myself an expert. I just will share what it is that we do. Like there's so much knowledge and there's so many experts out there to learn from. So attend webinars connect with others and ask questions and especially getting involved with organizations or networks like BC plan or their provincial counterparts even if you're new to PLAR I know that I have learned so much from my participation on the board of BC plan and I've had the opportunity to connect with such knowledgeable experts in the field so it's been such a great experience and I know I just got an email today, so I can mention also CAPLA, so Canadian Association for Prior Learning Assessment. They will usually host annual events, and it's a great opportunity connect, to connect with other Canadian institutions that are working on PLAR. Right. Thank you for that, Justin. I'm sure that uh, it would be a valuable advice to emerging professionals and, and those seeking to enter the field. Justin, on behalf of BC Prior Learning Action Network, we would like to thank you for your time and especially for this opportunity to learn about PLAR at BCIT. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. 
Thank you. We would also like to thank the BC Prior Learning Action Network Board of Directors for the continued support and Samuel Schranz for the music to the podcast. Thank you, everyone, and uh, see you next time.